0: Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Mile's Platinum American Express card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat like a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into (laughs) these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2%
1: Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about
0: New Year's foods. Which we've kind of already talked about a bunch of times on the show.
1: Yeah, like champagne or uh, toasting. Maybe a wassail bowl is involved.
0: Uh huh. Perhaps jelly donuts. Yeah.
1: But there are other food traditions. There's a lot of them, in fact. Oh, just, just, just a few. Yeah. One if, or you two. Wanna, if you want to, if you want to know more about those things, we've got whole episodes on them. Oh, yes. But.
0: But. New Year's foods. Yeah. So, wait, New Year's foods, what are they? What are they? I guess they're foods that you eat on New Year's.
1: Easy. Section done. Excellent. (laughs) So, in my family, (laughs) on New Year's Day, we would eat ham, black-eyed peas, and turnip greens or collards. The ham represented the look, the black-eyed peas, coins, and the turnip greens or collards, which... Was based on whatever my mom liked more that year at the store. Uh, that was your dollar dolla bills. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this is all you could eat, luck and money for the coming year. And my brothers were quite picky, as I mentioned before, but my mom was able to get them to eat things they generally wouldn't with vague promises of wealth and luck in their future. I thought everyone in the U.S. did this, but upon some research, it seems it is mostly a Southern tradition.
0: Yeah, I literally never heard of this until I moved to Atlanta. <laughs> I did not, I didn't know that anyone. Did anything like that?
1: Huh. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of variations (laughs) on it. Um, The greens representing that green, specifically folding bills and kind of specifically green. So it's probably like American. American. Sure. Yeah. um, Apart from collards or turnips, some people use cabbage, sauerkraut, kale, chard, or mustard greens. Really, any leafy green will do. Mm -hmm. For coins, black eyed peas are the traditional choice,
0: but any beans or peas are acceptable. Lentils are a popular option? Yeah, lentils might be a loaner from Italy, where their coin like shape also makes them a popular New Year's food.
1: They are frequently cooked with ham or some other type of pork for seasoning because that's how we do it in the South. <laughs> <laughs> be careful, vegetarians, if you ever visit here.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if a menu item doesn't say, doesn't specify a vegetarian, it probably has pork in it.
1: Probably. Um, also, the pork is good for some extra luck, all the luck you can get. And as for that luck, the pork is your look, and this seems to be because pigs root forward? Mm, we're not really sure. But that's the reasoning that Lauren and I came across the most.
0: Yeah, like like other animals uh, scratch backwards or move kind of willy-nilly yeah. when they're looking for food. But pigs root forward.
1: Yes. As the Pennsylvania Dutch say, the pigs root forward. So it is like a quote. It's something people said. Yeah, uh, It could also be because in Eastern Europe and Germany, it was seen as sort of a food safety thing to butcher large animals when it was cold outside, usually November. There's a painting in a cathedral in Germany of a pig being slaughtered with a Latin inscription underneath reading, Everybody Rejoices When November Kills Its Pig.
2: Hmm.
1: Because this meant fresh cuts of pig and maybe even reserving some for New Year's as opposed to the preserved pork that people depended on throughout the rest of the year. It was kind of like a...
0: Celebration. Well, yeah. Yay. Fresh <laughs> fresh pork.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is also perhaps why sauerkraut is a tradition for some people. It takes six to eight weeks to ferment, which if you kill the pig in November and you want to have some acidity to cut that fatty pork, the timing works out pretty perfectly. Yeah. The longer the strand of kraut, by the way, the longer your life. That's what the superstition tells us. Uh-huh. <laughs> some people think the fatter the pig, the fatter your wallet. It's amazing how much of this, like, luck is tied to wealth.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, There's also a German saying, Schwein gehabt, which literally means had a pig. And culturally means that you've had a lucky time. Uh, Supposedly, this comes from medieval times in what's now Germany and or Austria, when if you managed to breed a whole bunch of pigs in one year or sometimes if you had any number of pigs at all, you know, that was a really fortunate and awesome thing. Yeah. A way of wishing someone luck in Germany and Austria is to say Schwein," which literally means much pig. (laughs) I love that. Yeah.
1: Uh, So clearly the South is not the only place that sees pork as lucky. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk about some of these other traditions around the world in a bit. And uh, we never did this at my family New Year's meal but cornbread. Is another thing that is often part of the Southern tradition, Mm -hmm. both as a symbol for gold and because for a lot of Southerners, turnip greens and black-eyed peas without cornbread is unthinkable.
0: Why would you even bother?
1: I mean, what are you doing with your life? (laughs) There's actually a really long history to this lucky meal, or um, at least the black-eyed peas part of it. Mm -hmm. As far back as 500 CE, the Talmud mentions that at the time, black-eyed peas were eaten to celebrate the Jewish New Year. But actually, no. It mentioned fenugreek seeds. <laughs> However, there there was this like sounds like esque mix up with the word meaning to increase or expand, and the word for black eyed peas. So some people started eating black eyed peas as part of the New Year's celebration. Ah. Yeah, from there it's possible that the tradition was brought to Georgia in the U.S., not the country, in the 1730s with the arrival of the Sephardic Jews. One possibility. Mm-hmm. Another has to do with the Civil War. As the story goes, when Sherman's Union Army ransacked Confederate food supplies, they left pork and peas untouched, thinking this was feed for animals. I want to know what animals getting pork, but...
0: Probably other pigs.
1: Oh. oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the Confederate soldiers started to associate these foods with luck because it helps them, them survive the cold winters and later Reconstruction. Mm. Probably not true, though. Uh, Another telling of this goes that the Black Eyed Peas symbolized the emancipation of slaves, which happened officially on the new year after the Civil War's end. But why, you might wonder? Um, Because the first domesticated, they were first domesticated over 5,000 years ago in Africa and came over to the U.S. on slave ships. Oh, They were fairly common in the diets of slaves. Another thing worth pointing out, These foods were staples for families not making that much money. They were cheap and pretty easy to grow even in winter. And if you're thinking, but wait a minute,
0: black-eyed peas don't really look like coins? Nothing like coins, really. No. They've kind of got a coin shape, I guess, on the top of it.
1: Yeah, and I couldn't really think of anything off the top of my head that would be better. Maybe like rounds of potatoes. Um, Anyway, (laughs) some folks think that eating black-eyed peas is a way to show off how much Humility you have, I love that. Show off how humble you are. (laughs) And also how not vain you are. Apparently, there is an expression that some people somewhere say, uh, backs up this assertion, eat poor on New Year's and eat fat the rest of the year. Okay. Another interpretation (laughs) to the inclusion of peas or beans in this traditional lucky meal is that they expand a lot when exposed to water, representing expanding wealth. Ah, And apparently... Some people count 365 peas or 366 on a leap year. Oh, my goodness. One for each day of the year. And if you don't, you'll only be lucky equivalent to the amount of peas you ate. Wow. And if you eat more than 365, it converts the number you went over to bad luck days. Oh, no. In some traditions, you leave a pea on the plate on top of the 365 or 366 to share your luck with someone. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. That seems like a lot of work. (laughs) I generally, these days, just make a soup with this stuff. Um, and any day now, that money's going to come. It's going to come raining down. I bet
0: you. hmm
1: oh. It's going to be all thanks to the, the turnip greens in my soup I eat on New Year's Day. <laughs> um, another way a lot of people do it is uh, Hop and John, which is a dish that combines rice, black-eyed peas, and ham or bacon. If you really want to go out, all out on this luck business, you put a dime in the pot. Ah, Although I'm not sure how lucky you'll feel if you accidentally swallow a dime or choke on one. Mm. To ruin something else for you, (laughs) this dish originated with West African slaves. Mm -hmm. The first published recipe appeared in Sarah Rutledge's The Carolina Housewife in 1847, but slaves were certainly making it before them. We already know rice was a big crop for South Carolina. Peas were a cheap way to feed slaves on the journey over, and once they arrived... Um, As for the name... Nobody's entirely sure where it comes from, but most food historians think it comes from the French words for dried peas, pois pigeon.
0: Yeah. It's part of a really interesting history of food for people of color in the South that we'll definitely have to explore more of at a later time and date. Mm Mm-hmm. Among the US,
1: certain areas in the US uh, with large Scandinavian populations, you might see the tradition of eating pickled herring at midnight. Mm-hmm. Since the herring was easily pickled, healthy, and a vital part of northern European trade, it was kind of a it was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. However, the fish itself was unpredictable in how it would migrate to the point that the appearance of one was seen as the carrier of divine message. Eating herring on New Year's was like a prayer for prosperity.
0: Also, its silver color and scales might hearken to money. Money, 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 money. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, eating herring is also popular in Western European New Year's traditions. When Dutch
1: colonists first started arriving to the U.S., they bought with them New Year's cookies, sometimes called New Year's cakes. They were these super thin, crisp sugar cookies, sometimes with caraway or lemon or apple cider. Sometimes they were cut in fancy shapes or stamped with fancy shapes. They enjoyed a brief but intense popularity, grazing the pages of all kinds of cookbooks in the 1840s and 50s. But by the 1880s, they had faded into culinary obscurity. Hmm. An ad for, from a Philadelphia baker for Christmas cookies <laughs> read that he... Uh, had, quote, the real New York New Year's cheese, <laughs> New Year's cheesecakes. I said cheesecake without even, that's how much New, Year- New York is associated with cheesecake for wow. me. Wow. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs>
0: that was a really interesting Freudian slip. It
1: was. And we'll have to examine that at a later date. Okay. okay oh, yeah.
0: Cheesecake episode. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. All right. Go uh,
1: ahead. Now, New Year's cakes, the genuine knickerbockers of all sizes from a cartwheel to 11 penny bit. Uh, and thanks to some confusion about Oli Koken, Christmas cakes were sometimes called knickerbockers.
0: Oli Koken, aka Oli Bolen are another holiday donut mm-hmm. and are traditionally made and eaten on New Year's Eve in both the old world and the new. Yep. Another
1: tradition brought over with the early Dutch, open house.
0: Okay, this is not this is not a thing that I'm personally familiar with.
1: Not outside of like school open house. Right. <laughs> Um, which probably came from this. At first, this custom was mostly limited to Dutch immigrants living in New York, but from there it spread, particularly in the Northeast. It's basically what it sounds like. On New Year's Day, your house was open for anyone, anyone to come a-call in. You'd have donuts and honey cakes and cookies on hand for visitors. This practice was even observed by President George Washington, according to the Journal of the U.S. Senator, on January 1st, 1791... The first New Year's after he was inaugurated, George Washington held open house. Um, And things kind of got out of hand with this practice. Um, If you intended to receive company, you would list the hours you'd be home in the paper. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah, sure. Young fellas looking to get drunk... would see this and hit up every house listed, <laughs> drink the provided <laughs> punch, and dash. People would wander around the streets with the newspaper under their arm, like, looking for free meals oh and drinks. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like something we would do. I know. I can't say too, too hard. Hard. I know. Yeah. <laughs> the practice of listing the open house hours ended as the 19th century came to a close, and you opened your house only to friends or enemies. If you were looking to do a bit of a reset oh. on your relationship and begin anew,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Another take on this tradition had ladies opening their house to as many gentlemen callers as they could handle <laughs> on the first New Year's after the lady of the house had married. Oh, according to etiquette rules of the time, quote. The taste of gentlemen only are to be consulted, and it is understood that they prefer rather substantial dishes.
0: None of that lady food.
1: <laughs> yeah, ladies. It became increasingly more common to go out on New Year's Eve in the 20th century. One write-up described some of these events taking place in New York City. At least eight spots decided that $15 per person will be about right. For this nominal sum, the lucky patron will be permitted to sit at a table in a chair all his own, eat his supper, watch the entertainment, and yell his head off on the zero-hour approaches. In case he can't yell, he will find beside his plate an infernal machine that will bake all the noises he wants when agitated in the proper manner. Doubtless he will be showered with confetti at no extra charge. (laughs) Of course, if he should thirst for anything stronger than water, he may have at it at the usual rates. Over and above the initial $15. $15? Today, you couldn't get anywhere. Oh, my goodness.
0: Nowhere. No. New Year celebrations are so expensive.
1: Did you ever do anything like this, Lauren? Like the New Year's?
0: Did you ever have any New Year's food traditions? Zero. Absolutely. I, I grew up with none of those things. Uh, by the time I was of drinking age, I, I guess a sparkling wine toast at midnight became a pretty common thing for me. Uh, it's actually the first thing that I ever drank socially. Hmm. You know, like not including like ritualistic wine at Passover Seder, uh, sparkling wine on New Year's. Huh. I do really love a pork and sauerkraut roast, though. Uh, an ex of mine turned me onto that. And oh, man, that's it. It just it tastes like the holidays. I don't know. It's nice. Yeah.
1: Well, we so this is kind of what the U.S. has done Mm -hmm. as far as um, New Year's food traditions. But let's talk about some of the the around-the-world ones. Oh, yeah.
0: But first, a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our
1: favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing
0: dishes. Sure. Yes. Like I had never understood what poke really could be. And it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from there, Passion Fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has Passion Fruit. Going for it.
1: And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had in Las Vegas. In
0: Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak
1: basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement?
0: Exactly. Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. back thank you sponsor
1: yes thank you apart from the aforementioned jelly donut Berliner, are or any ring shaped food like a bun cake oh my god is that why we say ring in the
0: new year no
1: no it's not <laughs> i had a really brief brief moment of pure <laughs> excitement thinking about it now it has to do with bells of course yeah um, but that i mean cool to think there are so many new year's food traditions
0: around the world so many And, of course, there are a lot of different dates that the New Year's can fall on around the world. Uh, Even the modern Western calendar, the Gregorian calendar, which marks New Year's as January 1st, only goes back to the 1560s. Mm -hmm. So you've got uh, the the Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year, which falls in late winter, about February-ish. And – oh, I, maybe I shouldn't have started with this one. It's like a lie because we're going to have to do a whole episode on this. There are so many traditions among so many cultures that observe this holiday, and every single one of them is making me hungry right now. Yeah. Um, the easiest and most pervasive may be uncut noodles, symbolizing longevity and long luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, which falls in the fall, like September-ish. And there are a handful of traditional foods or ingredients really, to celebrate that. There's honey for hopes of a sweet new year, round loaves of the egg bread challah for the cycle of life, the head of a fish or lamb for hopes that we'll all be at the head of everything to come, pomegranates for hopes that the new year will bring new fruit that's full of seeds, or I uh, mean, like, opportunities. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then a whole bunch of things that are puns in Hebrew and or Yiddish. Uh Carrots, because the Hebrew word for carrot sounds like the word for decree, so you might eat them in hopes of removing any negative decrees held against you out there. The Yiddish word for carrot sounds a bit like the word for more, so you might eat them in hopes of increased blessings. There's dates. Uh, The Hebrew for date sounds a bit like the verb to end, so you might eat them in hopes that your troubles will be finished. Hmm. Uh, Pumpkins and other winter squash, uh, the Hebrew for which sounds like to cut or rip and like a homonym, meaning to announce. So you might eat it in hopes that your bad deeds will be ripped from the pages of history and that your good deeds will be announced to all. Oh, that'd be nice. Right? Uh, Peas and beans, the word sounds like the Hebrew verb to increase, and -hmm. thus can symbolize increased blessings again. And the word for beat sounds like the Hebrew for remove or like go away, again, symbolizing the hope that your troubles or enemies will vanish.
1: I love how you could interpret it in a different way, though. <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Your enemies will <clears throat> <laughs> more definitively Happy go away. Happy New Year's to all. <laughs> <laughs> then in Japan, there's a bunch of different things. There's toshikoshi soba, and okay, so on New Year's Eve, some Japanese families eat toshikoshi soba or year-crossing buckwheat noodles. Uh, fresh soba noodles are, are long, symbolizing longevity, and they're also thin and tender, reflecting the eater's ability to cut through and overcome any hardships of the previous year. The noodles can be served hot or cold in soup or with dipping sauces and with garnishes from, like, sweet fried bean curd to salty fish cakes to simple green onion. Mm. Also, mochi. Ooh. And not just eating these sticky, chewy, glutinous rice cakes. Part of the tradition is helping make them. In this whole event called a mochisuki, which is the pounding of rice to make the cakes. And if you're doing this the old-fashioned way, you've got someone using a mallet to pound cooked rice in this big mortar. And someone else reaching in to turn the mound of rice in between each downswing of the mallet. And if that sounds like a crazy dance, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Once the rice is a dough without a trace of any kind of grain-like shapes left, you pull off bits and shape them into cakes. Some may be left plain to be added to sweet or savory soup, and some may be filled with a sweet filling like red bean paste. Mm. You can find mochisuki in places other than Japan, too. You can check with your local Japanese culture club and see if you've got one near you. The tradition is said to stem from the practice of making mochi, which can keep pretty decently, in the time leading up to New Year's so that you can eat them During the holiday, without making noise in your kitchen, which might piss off the spirits of the kitchen. Oh! You also set out some of this mochi as offerings for your various household spirits and eat it a couple weeks later, by which point it's probably hardened a bit. And so consuming it is symbolic of, you know, toughness or strength during the coming year. Yeah. On the posher end of Japanese New Year celebrations, you've got Asati ryori, or New Year's foods, traditionally served to fancy people in fancy jubako, which are these ornate uh, stackable partitioned boxes, sort of similar to, to bento boxes, if you're familiar with those. And a whole lot of different things can go into these. Uh, there's some of the popular things are candied chestnuts and sweet potatoes, daikon and carrot salad, candied sardines, herring roe, herring again, yeah. uh, simmered shrimp, pressed fish cakes, Kelp tied into a fancy little bow. Oh. Et cetera.
1: Very posh indeed.
0: Indeed. Here's another one. Uh, Remember that uh, Fiedelschwein from the top of the episode? Uh Uh-huh. Pigs are such a symbol of luck that in Germany and Austria, lucky pig-shaped confections are sold around New Year's. They're called uh, Glückschwein. (laughs) And although most often they are made of marzipan, uh, which is sweet almond paste, they also come in chocolate formats. And Austrians sometimes eat suckling pig for New Year's dinner. Mm Mm-hmm. In Italy, Spain, and some other Spanish and Italian-speaking countries, grapes are a major player in New Year's festivities. The Spanish version is las doce ulas de la suerte, or the 12 grapes of luck. And the tradition goes that you eat one grape at each chime of the clock at midnight to ensure good luck in each month of the new year. These grapes are usually thicker-skinned and seedier to what we're used to in the United States, so sometimes they're peeled and seeded before the final countdown begins. And in Italy, the grapes still symbolize prosperity, but the tradition is to eat as many as possible come midnight. (laughs)
1: Like
0: in the first minute. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Like like during
0: those chimes. Uh (laughs) King cake. Okay. King cake here in the United States is mostly associated with Mardi Gras, a.k.a. Shrover Fat Tuesday, which happens at least a month after New Year's Day based on the lunar-solar calendar that determines when Easter falls. But even here in the States, king cakes are available starting on Epiphany, which is the 12th day of Christmas, a.k.a. January 6th, and in some Christian traditions is also called Three Kings Day and celebrates the visit of the three wise men to the baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. Thus, a bunch of cultures make a king's cake sort of crown-shaped thing, sometime on or between New Year's and Epiphany. And these cakes fall into two basic categories. You've got the French-style galette of flaky puff pastry filled with stuff like French pan and topped with more puff pastry. And then the Spanish-style sweet yeast bread topped with candied fruit and or nuts. All of them, though, contain a bean, coin, nut, or other token baked in that is said to bring luck to whoever finds it. Again, probably not if you choke on it. Right. Yeah. And they are all over the heck in place. Uh, France, Spain, Latin America, Portugal, Bulgaria, Greece, Cyprus, Louisiana, et cetera.
1: Yes. Uh, a few more quick ones that I, I ran across that I liked. Smashing a pomegranate in the front door in Greece. <laughs> the more seeds in the fruit, the more luck you will have. Ooh. And turkey, they they actually eat the, the pomegranate. The idea that doing so will grant you fertility and abundance. Mm-hmm. I read in some places that in Belarus, single women will stand in front of a pile of corn kernels and then someone lets a rooster loose and the woman the rooster heads to first is going to be the first to get married. (laughs) I have questions (laughs) about that one, but we'll move on. The Scottish still do this whole first footing thing and the tradition is to bring some whiskey over to a friend's after the midnight toast. Oh, I like this idea. I know. First footing refers to... This idea that the first person to step over the threshold of your door sets the tone for the rest of the year. Ah. Luck lore tells us that a tall brown haired man is the best luck. Blonde and red hair, no good, no oh. good. Oh. yes. And for the love of God, cross your fingers, it's not a woman. We're <laughs> terrible luck. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. And so is doing laundry on New Year's Day, apparently. Someone you care about will be washed away and die. Oh, no. Some people take it a step further and don't wash dishes that day either. Whew. <laughs> Another superstition says you need to leave all the doors open when midnight strikes so the spirit of the old year can leave and let the new one in. On top of that, you need to make loud noises to scare away the devil and other spirits. Ah. Yes. Sure. But back to food-based ones. <laughs> A little <laughs> mini tangent there. The minute before midnight on New Year's Eve in El Salvador, you might crack open an egg into a glass of water and then try to figure out what the shape the yolk makes is trying to tell you about the coming year, which I, I want to do. Yeah. Um, in Ireland, to vanquish hunger in the coming year, you might partake in the night of the big portion on New Year's Eve. You'd bake up this huge cake, smash it, then gather the crumbs and eat them. On New Year's Day, as a symbol of your triumph, you'd leave a piece of buttered bread on your front door. Um, because of this, New Year's Day is sometimes called the Day of the Buttered Bread. I read in some places that kids go around eating the bread. Um, okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds great.
1: I recently smashed a cake with a hammer and then ate it. So I am really behind this one. I'm 100% on board. It was very fun.
0: What? How did it? What?
1: It was for a, a video I was doing, and it was... Just so fun.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've never tried to... I, I wouldn't imagine that a hammer would have a lot of cake.
1: Well, it was a kitchen hammer.
0: Oh, okay. Like a like a mallet shape. Yeah, a okay, big cool. one. Big one. Okay. Yeah. It that makes more sense now. Yes. I'm back with you.
1: Okay, perfect. I was
0: like, what kind of cake? Was it frozen? What's going on?
1: <laughs> An ice cream cake.
0: <laughs> um, so th- those are a few. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more out there. And uh, hey, if we missed your favorite, then write in and tell us. This probably covers like some of the big ones, but yeah, absolutely. Let us know.
1: Yes, please Mm -hmm. do. Um, So those are around the world. When we get back, we're going to talk about
0: science, maybe? Yeah, but first, quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs
1: with our teeth salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone.
0: Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand
1: for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners
0: about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure. Yes. Like I had never understood what poke really could be. And it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from there, passion fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it.
1: And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently
0: that we had in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. (laughs) Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Okay. Science of luck. Take it away, Lauren. <sighs> nah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding.
0: Yeah. Although, although you know, the human brain and our sense of luck is, is pretty fascinating. There's a whole theory about the hot hand bias in which we are primed to think that if we've done this thing and gotten a good result, then clearly doing it again will get perhaps an even better result. That's why people play slot machines. Monkeys are also susceptible to this, by the way. Yeah. So it's not only it's not only us. Like primates in general, a really like slot machines, and b are totally convinced that if you do something, and it has a good result, then it's great yeah. to do all the time.
1: Like a lucky shirt, almost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to make a feast of all of these things and see what happens. Like <laughs> Aside ar-
0: from a stomachache. <laughs> yeah,
1: and around the world of New Year's food traditions, but. Midnight would be chaos, perhaps in a hilariously fun way. Twelve grapes, you got your pickled herring, you're smashing a pomegranate, you're smashing some bread, you're eating what my egg yolk says, you're drinking whiskey. I think it could be a a fun, chaotic thing to try.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Maybe for next year.
1: Yeah. And we talked about some mostly, almost completely good luck foods, but
0: there are some bad luck foods. Oh, yeah. We ran into a few of these. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the that we ran across is lobster.
1: Yes, this is a food to be avoided on New Year's, according to some, because they move backwards. And this could mean setbacks for you in your coming year if you're foolish enough to eat some on New Year's. (laughs) Maybe. More research is needed. I suggest a case study where a researcher eats lobster every day of the year and documents any rises or falls in luck. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, we'd have to toss it out immediately. Another bad luck food... Chicken, and I love the reasoning behind this one. They have wings, and they could fly away, just like your luck Oh, if you eat chicken oh my on my ears. Oh, I see you. Also, they scratch backwards, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. and you don't want to move backwards. Always or, forward. Or you don't want to start from scratch or have only scratch for change. Oh, multiple puns. There's a lot going on, and I didn't make any of these up. These are reason people <laughs> cited. I also read that this is one of the reasons why we eat turkey at the end of the year because you're burying the past, but I would say that's retroactively applied. <laughs>
0: um, I think you might be bringing a little bit more logic. Than...
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, that's true. I'm bringing logic to a luck fight. Um, <laughs> that's uh, New Year's foods. Yeah.
0: Um, but we have uh, a lot of you uh, answered the call. Yes, and sent us Beautiful toasts. Yes. Thank you so much. So, yeah, so we've got a bunch of them that we are going to read here. Yes. The first is from Jen. She wrote,
1: I just finished listening to the podcast on toasting and the discussion on toasting traditions brought me back to my days as an officer at the Cadet Corps of the Canadian Armed Forces. Formal mess dinners are a very important part of being an officer so much that you are instructed and tested on mess etiquette during basic training. Working at the cadet summer training centers on military bases across Canada, I attended many mess dinners with a mix of officers and NCOs from the Air Force, Army, and Navy, and got to see a lot of toasting traditions, both official and unofficial. The official round of toasting begins after the main meal with the passing of the port. The port is always passed to the left, and different branches of military have different ways of passing the bottle. The Air Force passes through the air, never letting the bottle touch the table. (laughs) The Army slams the bottle onto the table as hard as possible. (laughs) And the Navy passes the bottle under the table, simulating the sea. As you can imagine, this makes for quite the spectacle at mixed branch (laughs) dinners. The official toasting always begins with the president of the Mess Committee toasting, ladies and gentlemen, the Queen of Canada, followed by the vice PMC, Madame and Monsieur Lorraine du Canada, the Queen of Canada, and of course, is the Queen of England and the Commonwealth. Another important tradition is that one must stand when one's branch march is played, holding one's glass, often while singing along, Hmm. and toasting at the end of the song. As Air Force folks go one step further, and those of us who have earned our pilot wings will stand on our chairs, boasting our status above all the non-pilots in the room. Ah. Pilots are known for (laughs) their modesty and humility.
0: (laughs) Mia or Maya wrote in with a story for the toasting episode. Senior year of college, my friends and I, of course, got all nostalgic for the year, so we made a new rule that applied to every time any of us got together and drank. So Friday nights, parties, school hosted graduation events, anything. The rule was that when the end of whatever we got together for came, we would nominate one person to give the final toast, which means that the one person, usually the most intoxicated person, would be giving a toast for the evening. Usually these toasts ended up leading to thanking people for friendships, calling people out for random stuff that happened during our four years at school, or just random spurts of whatever they needed to say. It was a weird tradition, but a great and fun way to wrap our college experience up. My close friend group was pretty big, about 12 people, but every six months we still get together on a group Skype and, yes, of course, everyone has a drink, and at the end is a toast. Oh, That
1: sounds like a nice tradition. Yeah. Oh. Emily wrote... As far as toasting goes, I have a friend who frequently hosts parties at his house, and the first drink of the night is always to boobs. It's simple and pretty silly, but it's nice to have that tradition. My roommate and I are trying to come up with a toast for the first drink at our house, but so far we haven't found anything quite as good. Also, my favorite toast is saliente, which is the Irish form of good health.
0: Molly sent us this. I wanted to weigh in with a toast I didn't hear in your episode, though, which kind of surprised me in its absence, the Jewish toast, L'chaim, to life. And maybe it's me growing up in a half-Jewish home, but L'chaim is one I'd heard most of my life, and the modern connotation to me has always been very endearing. It's something we say to toast to long life, and to quote the musical fiddler on the roof, if our good fortune never comes, here's to whatever comes. So drink L'chaim to life. Doing some research, though, I found a somewhat more insidious background. According to Chabad.org, after the judges of the Jewish court would deliberate on capital cases, they would turn one last time to those whom they sent to question the witnesses and ask for their opinion. If they opined the plaintiff should live, they would reply lahayim to life. If, however, it was death, they would reply lamitta to death. If the judges found the defendant guilty, he would be given very strong wine in order to diminish the pain of the execution At least people went out after a stiff drink in those cases. True. Yes. Oh, thank you, Molly. I'm sorry that I forgot that one.
1: Carolyn sent us this classic. Here's to those who wish as well. Those who don't can go to hell.
0: (laughs) Andy wrote in on Twitter. I have family friends, and the whole family will say nas The mother's family is Polish, except the dad always responds, nice driveways. Gets me every time.
1: (laughs) Christy sent us this one. Her mom taught her. Here's to you and here's to me in hopes we never disagree. But if we go to hell with you and by God, here's to me.
0: <laughs> uh, James on Twitter gave us, may you get what you need and never what you deserve, which actually closely mirrors something that my friends and I say, uh, which is, oh, goodness, it's uh, we may not get what we want. We may not get what we need just as long as we don't get what we deserve.
1: <laughs> Love it. From Aaron, uh, just finished your toasting episode and wanted to let you know a small addition, modification, we employ in Wisconsin. I'm guessing this depends on who you're with, but as I graduated from the UW, I frequently find myself in the company of fellow Badgers. Almost every toast, generally in honor of one of the college sports teams, is concluded with, and on Wisconsin, a clink and a glass tap on the table before you drink. I found it interesting that there's not a solid reason for why this came about, but as my husband is fairly superstitious when it comes to Badger athletics, I won't deviate for fear of being blamed for a loss. Wise.
0: hmm Mike sent us an audio file. First other voice on our show. This is so exciting. Take it away, Mike.
4: Hello, Annie and Lauren. It's Mike, uh fan of the show. Anyways, I guess I'd uh, bring in the uh, Navy toast for consideration. It's, it's an old toast. I don't know how much it has to do with the modern Navy, since it tends to be more of a beer-drinking Navy than it is a rum-drinking Navy. But it, it, we got it for the British, and it still sticks around. Uh, but anyways, it, it goes like this. It's may your anchor be tight, may your cork be loose, may your rum be spiced, and may your compass be true. And, uh, there's different ways of delivering it. Uh, I tend to like the quick up down rhythm one that, that get it over with quick and let's get to the, the festivities, but it's, uh, uh, may your anchor be tight, your cork loose, your rum spiced and your compass true. And, uh, there's other ways of doing it too. You could have uh kind of, uh, uh, the old church one where the, uh, the speaker, he gives the, uh, the verses of one and three and the crew gives the verses of three and four. It's, uh, Kind of like a reply type thing. But anyways, I thought I would uh, uh, bring that in. It's an old toast. It's It's a good one. It makes its rounds once in a while through the Navy.
1: From Jordan, here's to tall ships and to small ships and to all the ships on the sea. But the best ships are friendships. So here's to you and me.
0: Oh. Yeah. Lilia, or perhaps Lilia. I hope I'm not mispronouncing your name too badly, wrote in about the toasting tradition in Austria of not clinking your glass the tradition applies to beer. In 1848, when the revolution failed against the Habsburgs and 13 were executed, supposedly Austrians celebrated in Vienna by toasting and clinking their beer glasses. You can say a toast but not clink your beer glass. In my family, we tap the beer three times on the table. Cheers to a Happy New Year.
1: From Jared... My
0: wife's family is
1: Bohemian, Czech, and Polish, and no one is certain from which culture this phrase comes from, but everyone assumes that it is likely a mispronunciation of one of the languages that no one in her family speaks any longer. They could be wrong, of course, in that it is, in actuality, total nonsense, but that doesn't stop everyone from carrying on the tradition. When raising a glass for a toast, everyone shouts in unison, and he typed it out phonetically. Here we go. (coughs) Yup, Tom, squeegee,
0: and Ahoya.
1: I love that it could be total nonsense.
0: Yeah. Syllable in the City wrote in on Twitter, Afrikaans we often toast with latheval, varheval. Let it fall where it wants. Not entirely sure of the origin, but probably you wouldn't have to apologize for spilling as that's the drink's desire.
1: It fell where it wanted to. Hillary on Facebook wrote, in regards to the toasting episode, my grandmother's favorite saying has always been to keep the love in the loving cup when you're wrong, admit it, when you're right, shut up.
0: I, I love like, that
1: one. Yeah, that's
0: great. And um, Kristen sent us on Twitter, To the men who love us, to the men who have yet to meet us, and to the sorry bastards who lost us, may this be our year. Friends and I made it up in college.
1: Tess sent in one for us with an audio clip. Hey, all Love your podcast. Here are two toasts for you. I'm half Colombian. I'm relearning Spanish again now, so I'm going to try these out. I'm sorry for my shoddy Spanish. <laughs> um, the first one that I always heard growing up was Salud, Besetas y Amor health, money, and love. The other one is arriba, abajo, al centro, pa' dentro, which means up, down, center, in. So you raise your glass up, you lower it down, you put it to every, you shoot it in the middle to everybody in the center, and then pa' dentro means you drink it. So up, down, center, drink. Um, I always liked that one. It made me crack up when I was a kid. So I hope that helps. And I'll talk to you guys later.
0: Bye. Love the podcast. Bye.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Everybody sent in these toasts.
0: Yeah. uh, Also, um, uh, shout out to a couple people who when I asked for toasts on Twitter, gave us a couple toast puns. Existentialist on assist said that their favorite toast was French. And Carol said, I have toast with peanut butter and jelly for breakfast every morning, but I do like a fine avocado toast. For New Year's, I might have some bruschetta on toasted baguette. And Allison wrote, here's to bread, because without bread, we would not have toast. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Love it. Y'all are our people. Yes. All of y'all are our people, though.
1: (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Yeah, toast puns, real toast. If you're listening to this before New Year's, whenever your New Year's may be, Happy New Year's to you, and maybe you've got plenty of toes to choose from. Yeah. 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 If you'd like to write to us, you can. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com.
0: We're also on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw. We're also on Instagram at foodstuff. Thank you so much to our super producer, Dylan Fagan, who is raising a glass. Uh, Thanks to y'all for listening. Happy New Year. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.